father's lightsaber. What? Lightsabers, precious! Hello, and welcome, and happy holiday greetings. This, our fifth episode of What's Lightsabers, Precious? Ho, ho, ho! Wasting time on fictional wikis, I'm Santa Claus! Ryan couldn't be here today. Oh, ho, ho! I put him in my bag! Ho, 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 ho! That's alright, to be honest, I feel like you'll carry your weight more as a co-host than he ever did. Are you making a joke about my weight, young lady? No, never, Santa! That's a very naughty thing to say to Santa Claus! Do-ho-ho-ho! Look, if you're gonna be like this, I'm just gonna bring Ryan back. I'll put you in my sack as well. Here you go, little girl. Record your podcast in there, why don't you? Do-ho-ho, she won't be able to breathe in there. Do-ho-ho. Oh, Joanna. Yeah. Set me free from that bag. Yeah, you set me free from that bag. Yeah. Who knew Santa was such a creep? Yeah, he's broken into our house and put me in the bag. Yeah, and then he put me in there, but... Um, the police are on their way, and, uh, he's tied up in the closet. Thank goodness. Yeah, so the podcast can proceed as scheduled. <sighs> I was really worried we wouldn't get the episode out today. Well, you know, because I don't think Santa knows anything about Star Wars or Lord of the Rings. Uh, you know, I don't think so. He knows their merchandise, surely, because he has to deliver it. Yeah, but... those elves make all the toy lightsabers and, and stings. To be honest, and... he has enslaved the modern descendants of the elves, so he Ooh. really has no business whatsoever being on the Is that what you're going to teach me today? <laughs> About Santa's slave laws? No. Okay. We're, we're not going to touch on that. That's something that you can look up in your own time. All right, yeah, but this is our holiday special of What's Lightsaber's Precious. Now, Ryan, is this a Christmas podcast? No. Because... When you say holidays, I think about Christmas. Well, that's because your narrow-minded, ethnocentric American mindset. We're talking about a pan-galactic holiday celebration. Because I'm, I'm not talking about Christmas today. I'm talking about Life Day. I don't know what that is. Well, I'll teach you about it. But, I mean, are you going to be talking about Christmas? No, actually, I'm going to be talking about Yule. See, that sounds like something that's not Christmas. It is, in fact. Okay. Well, the word Yule is derived from a Roman celebration that eventually became our modern Christmas. Okay. Um, But it's still not Christmas. No, it's not. We're talking about Hobbit times, Lord of the Rings times, Third Age times. Way before Jesus. Way before Jesus. Cool. Yeah. So tell me about it. All right. I'll tell you about Yule. Um, Did you know that today... Is the first of After Yule by Shire Reckoning? Oh, Yule's already happened. Well, the Yule feast is six days. Oh, wow, okay. Starts on the 29th of the month of 4 Yule. Mm hmm. And then it continues through the 30th of 4 Yule, then the two Yule days, and uh-huh. then the first and second of After Yule. You might be confused by this weird calendar naming convention. Yeah, am I wait, right? They, they don't have Hobbit December and Hobbit January? No, they had entirely different months, and their calendar didn't actually match up with the calendar used 
by most people in Middle Earth. Oh, really? Yeah. So humans and elves and dwarves have a different calendar than hobbits? They absolutely have a different calendar oh, wow. than hobbits. I didn't know that. Hobbits are an outlier. I'll describe that more in a second. First, the basics of Yule. Yule was a festival celebrated at the turning of the year. Okay. Yule was observed by hobbits and some men. Indeed, it was celebrated as far abroad as Rohan. Wow, that far. Mm -hmm. To interject my own thoughts, this could be because the people of Rohan and the hobbits were distantly related and shared common ancestors. Is that true? Yep, that's in the appendices. Wow. Mm, I haven't memorized much of the appendices, but that's one fact that I memorized. After the events of Lord of the Rings, Mary goes back to Rohan to do some genealogy research, and hmm. he doesn't have genealogy.com or ancestors.com, so... No, we can't just type, you know, Pippin into the website and see where he comes from or anything like that. Definitely not, but yeah. he finds out that the Rohirrim likely share common ancestors with the hobbits. See, I wouldn't have thought that. They don't look that similar. They don't look that similar, but they both come from the same area. The Rohirrim originally come from further north than Rohan. Yeah. In this sort of riverland, and that's also where hobbits evolved. I don't want to get too deep into it because I can't remember the details that clearly. I see. But that is probably why, in my opinion, both cultures celebrated Yule. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So the name Yule was used by the hobbits for the two days that marked the end of one year and the beginning of the next. And... This two-day span existed outside the normal Shire calendar, so it oh. wasn't part of any month. Okay. It was just Yule 1 and Yule 2. How do they decide when Yule 1 and 2 are? Well, it's the same time every year. Oh, okay. Right? So, because of the way the Shire calendar worked, the Yule days were on the same days of the week every year. The first of Yule was always on a high day, which is Modern Friday. Oh. High day. High day. High day. Life, baby. <laughs> Pass the old Toby. Pass that old Toby. And then the second of Yule was always on a stir day, which is modern Saturday. So by our modern reckoning, the Yule days would fall on the 21st and 22nd of December, uh -huh. which means that yesterday was the second day of Yule, and today is the first of after Yule. Okay. Happy after Yule. Happy after Yule, and it's the fifth day of the Yule Days Feast. Okay. Written use of this word Yule in the Shire goes back as far as the Shire's founding, which was in the year 1601 of the Third Age. Okay. Right? So that's year zero in the Shire calendar. No Jesus to base their calendar off. Exactly. So they just base it off of when the Shire was founded. So that's why the years don't match up between the Shire and elsewhere, right? Because 1601 by everyone else's calendar was zero by the Shire calendar. And that's really confusing for Hobbits, though, right? Kind of. And you can actually see the discrepancy in the movies, but you don't really notice it unless you're specifically looking for it. So, for example... When Bilbo is inviting Gandalf to have some food and drink at the beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring, he says he has a bottle of wine from 1266, very good year, almost as old as I am. In that line, Bilbo is using the Shire calendar, because if he was using the calendar all the other races were using, that would make both him and the bottle of wine about 1,750 years old. That wine would probably taste really bad. I mean, there's aging wine, and then there's... Like, ancient wine. Absolute lunacy. So, because according to the regular calendar, the events of Lord of the Rings began around the year 3000. Okay. Of the Third Age. All right. So, as I was saying, written use of the word Yule in the Shire obviously can't go any further back than the actual founding of the Shire, but the word actually far predates the Shire's founding, which lends more credence to the idea that Yule originates with some common ancestor of hobbits and men. Okay. So, as mentioned before, by our modern calendar, Yule would fall on the 21st and 22nd of December, so, in other words, the solstice, the shortest day of oh, the year. okay. Right? And okay. Tolkien made it that way on purpose. But... 
in doing so, he kind of had to disregard the fact that the solstice moves forward very slowly as years pass. Mm. So, for example, this is why we celebrate our modern Yuletide, i.e. Christmas, on December 25th. Mm -hmm. The Romans set the 25th as Yuletide because at the time the 25th was the solstice. Oh, okay. But it's moved forward since then. And so since hobbits lived way further in the past than the Romans, the date of their solstice would have been even more off from the modern date, right? It would have been sometime in late January. But that's complicated and it's not that fun, so Tolkien just kind of disregarded it. Tolkien. Got lazy sometimes. Everything hung together so well until this revelation. And now your immersion is just shattered forever. Yeah, this is like Neil deGrasse Tyson pointing out how the stars didn't match up in the Titanic. Uh, and, then, and I was like, I can never watch Titanic No, again. it's totally just a phony Hollywood garbage movie. Well, I'm being a Neil deGrasse Tyson right now because I'm telling you that Tolkien set the Hobbit solstice for the wrong dates. I don't believe any of it now. So the two Yule days, plus two additional days before them and after them, made up the festival of Yule, so it was six days in all, uh, and it can be presumed that this festival involved feasting and gift-giving much like our modern Christmas. Cute. Yeah. It is very cute. So that's Yule. All right. It's the closest equivalent we have to a modern winter holiday. Do... Question. Do humans, elves, and dwarves have their own holiday events? Yes, they do have their own holiday events, but not Yule-related. Do they also have a solstice event that's, like, Christmas-adjacent, like giving gifts or anything like that? You know what? That's an excellent question, and I've never seen any information on that, so I'll need to look that up. Well, hobbits are the party masters anyway. Can you imagine, like, an elf Christmas party or, like, a Yule party for elves? It'd probably be very dull. I think a dwarves could have a... Oh, dwar- dwarves they'd have, they'd have, have a, a riotous. They'd have a banger they of would. a Yule party. They would go hard. Let's see. Um, I actually looked up an article about elvish holidays. So the days that were called First Yule and Second Yule by the Hobbits were called Mettare and Yestare. <laughs> Yesterday? <laughs> that's, that's today. <laughs> <laughs> the first and last day of the year. However, those were in early April. Oh. Right? That was the turning of the elvish year. So they had an end-of-the-year celebration, hmm. but it didn't take place at the same time. Man, Christmas in April. Oh, boy. Thanks for teaching me. You asked and I provide. Now, taking quite a different tact here, I am going to read excerpts from the Father Christmas Letters. What's that? It's a book that you yourself gave to me about three years ago. Did I? You did. The Father Christmas Letters are a series of letters written by Tolkien to his children between 1920 and 1942, and they were supposed to be from Father Christmas, and they were accompanied by these full-color illustrations that Tolkien... Drew. This is ringing a bell. I seem to remember buying this for you. Yeah, yeah. And the illustrations... They're dynamite. ...are so excellent. He wasn't a trained artist, but his drawings are a total delight, and you should look them up if you have the chance. Like, the fact he was just doing it for his kids for fun, like, every year. Like, that, that that's really cool. And they're so detailed. Yeah, for real. So, um... Yeah, Tolkien. He was a really nice dad. Apparently kind of a, a, a curmudgeonly guy to people outside his family, but a super nice dad. Good. Yeah. So the letters were published after Tolkien died in book form in 1976. Mm-hmm. So the copy I have is from the second printing in 1976. Um, the message on the first page, because this is a used book, says, uh, To Carol, with love and best wishes for many, many Merry Christmases to come, Mom. Christmas 1978. Well, I, I wrote that in the book. Oh, you did? It's been a ruse all this time. Who's Carol? It's you. I'm Carol? Your mom. Is that who you call me in your head? And I'm your mom. 
Talk about blowing the lid wide open. But do continue. Okay. So, I'm going to read a few passages from this book. It is sort of the Christmas time adventures of Father Christmas and his sidekick, Polar Bear, who is an absolutely useless animal. Polar Bear! Polar Bear, or PB, as he is occasionally PB. called. So, I'm going to begin with the entry from 1925. Okay. 1925. I am dreadfully busy this year. It makes my hand more shaky than ever when I think of it, and not very rich. In fact, awful things have been happening, and some of the presents have got spoilt, and I haven't got the North Polar Bear to help me, and I've had to move house just before Christmas. So you can imagine what a state everything is in, and you will see why I have a new address. It all happened like this. One very windy day last November, my hood blew off and went and stuck on the top of the North Pole. I told him not to, but the North Polar Bear climbed up to the thin top to get it down, and he did. The pole broke in the middle and fell on the roof of my house, and the North Polar Bear fell through the hole it made in the dining room, with my hood over his nose, and all the snow fell off the roof into the house, and melted, and put out all the fires, and ran down into the cellars, where I was collecting this year's presents, and the North Polar Bear's leg got broken. He is well again now, but I was so cross with him that he says he won't try to help me again. I expect his temper is hurt and will be mended by next Christmas. I send you a picture of the accident and of my new house on the cliffs above the North Pole with beautiful cellars in the cliffs. If John, that was one of Tolkien's kids, can't read my shaky old writing, uh, 1,925 years old, he must get his father to. When is Michael, another of Tolkien's children, going to learn to read and write his own letters to me? Lots of love to you both and Christopher, whose name is rather like mine. No, ho, ho, I didn't write that. That's a load of poppycock. Santa, what are you still doing here? I thought the cops came and picked you up. I broke out of jail. No, ho, ho, ho. When will the reign of terror end, old man? (laughs) Oh, no. Well, I guess we'll just have to put up with you for the time being, because I'm moving on to 1926. No, I'll take care of him, Joanna. You keep reading. No, no, not the door. No, no. We have zip ties in the cupboard in the kitchen if you need them. Not the zip ties, no. Okay, thanks, Joanna. I'll go get those, yeah. yeah. All right. Here we go, 1926. I am more shaky than usual this year. The North Polar Bear's fault. It was the biggest bang in the world and the most monstrous firework there ever has been. It turned the North Pole black and shook all the stars out of place, broke the moon into four, and the man in it fell into my back garden. He ate quite a lot of my Christmas chocolates before he said he felt better and climbed back to mend it and get the stars tidy. Then I found out that the reindeer had broken loose. They were running all over the country, breaking reins and ropes and tossing presents up into the air. They were all packed up to start, you see. Yes, it only happened this morning. It was a sleigh load of chocolate things, which I always send to England early. I hope yours are not badly damaged, but isn't the North Polar Bear silly, and he isn't a bit sorry. Of course he did it. You remember I had to move last year because of him? The tap turning on the Aurora Borealis fireworks is stored in the cellar of my old house. The North Polar Bear knew he must never, never touch it. I only let it off on special days like Christmas. He says he thought it was cut off since we moved. Anyway, he was nosing around the ruins this morning soon after breakfast. He hides things to eat there. And turned on all the northern lights for two years in one go. You have never heard or seen anything like it. I have tried to draw a picture of it, but I am too shaky to do it properly, and you can't paint fizzing light, can you? Love from Father Christmas. 
See, I noticed that he's doing a lot of world building, even in his Christmas letters to his kids. Oh, he certainly is. He couldn't help himself. Like, there's a continuing story here, and you know, all these elements that seem like they're they're you know building a, a whole complete picture. Yes, and there are a lot of scholars who see the beginnings of Lord of the Rings and Middle Earth lore in these letters. This is this predates it, right? Well, it started. Mm, about a decade and a half before The Hobbit was published, and then went into about a decade after The Hobbit was published. Okay. So it predates those. And I've chosen these entries specifically because you can see reflections of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings in them. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so here, with that in mind... I'm, I mean, I don't remember any doofy polar bears in Lord of the Rings, but... No, there were bears, but no doofy ones. Yeah. Um, but as I go on, you'll, you'll see the wisdom in my selection. Okay. Here's a bit of an entry from 1931. Here is my latest portrait, Father Christmas Packing, 1931. If you find that not many of the things you asked for have come, and not perhaps quite so many as sometimes, remember that this Christmas all over the world there are a terrible number of poor and starving people. I, and also my green brother, have had to do some collecting of food and clothes, and toys too for the children whose fathers and mothers cannot give them anything, sometimes not even dinner. Two of the polar bear's nephews have been staying here for some time, Paksu and Valtuka. Valtuk- uh, fat and white hair, they say it means. They are fat-tummied polar bear cubs and are very funny, boxing one another and rolling about. But another time I shall have them on Boxing Day and not just at packing time. I fell over them 14 times a day last week. And Valkutuka swallowed a red ball of string, thinking it was cake, and he got it all wound up inside and had a tangled cough. He couldn't sleep at night, but I thought it rather served him right for putting Holly in my bed. It was the same cub that poured all the black ink yesterday into the fire to make it night. It did, and a very smelly, smoky one. We lost Paksu all last Wednesday and found him on Thursday morning asleep in a cupboard in the kitchen. He had eaten two whole puddings raw. They seemed to be growing up just like their uncle. Paksu and Valkutuka. Yeah. Again, Tolkien was a linguist and couldn't help himself, so he gave them Finnish names that actually do mean fat and white hair. It's fun. I know. I think it's pretty fun. It's not something that his children would be able to notice or appreciate, but... Yeah, they sound like polar bear names to me. Sure. I mean, I think when I think of Tolkien, I feel like he wrote things to entertain himself first and foremost, and I'm pretty sure that he actually mentioned that in one of his correspondences to a publisher or a writer friend or something like that. Yeah. And fortunately for him, they um, ended up resonating with people. I think that's good advice for creatives, you know, make something that you would actually want to take in. uh, I personally believe that. Um, That is not what they told me in my marketing classes. I got into a lot of arguments with my professor about this. Yeah, but they're all about that personal brand garbage. Mm -hmm. But I respect Tolkien for writing things that he enjoyed, regardless of what other people thought of them. Yeah. Let's move on, then, to 1932. This is, like, the centerpiece of this thing. This is, like, very exciting. All right. There have been lots of adventures you will want to hear about. It all began with the funny noises underground, which started in the summer and got worse and worse. I was afraid an earthquake might happen. The North Polar Bear says he suspected what was wrong from the beginning. I only wish he had said something to me. And anyway, it can't be quite true, as he was fast asleep when it began and did not wake up till about Michael's birthday. Again, Michael was one of Tolkien's children. However, he went off for a walk one day at the end of November, I think, and never came back. About a fortnight ago, I began to be really worried, for after all, the dear old thing is really a lot of help, in spite of accidents and very amusing. 
One Friday evening, December 9th, there was a bumping at the front door and a snuffling. I thought he had come back and lost his key, as often before. But when I opened the door, there was another very old bear there, a very fat and funny-shaped one. Actually, it was the eldest of the few remaining cave bears. I had not seen him for centuries. Do you want your North Polar Bear? he said. If you do, you had better come and get him. It turned out he was lost in the caves, belonging to the cave bear, or so he says, not far from the ruins of my old house. He says he found a hole in the side of a hill and went inside because it was snowing. He slipped down a long slope and lots of rocks fell after him, and he found he could not climb up or get out again. But almost at once he smelt goblin and became interested and started to explore. Not very wise, for of course goblins can't hurt him, but their caves are very dangerous. Naturally, he soon got quite lost, and the goblins shut off all their lights and made queer noises and false echoes. <coughs> goblins are to us very much what rats are to you. Only worse because they are very clever, and only better because there are in these parts very few. We thought there were none left. Long ago we had great trouble with them. That was about 1453, I believe. But we got the help of the gnomes, who are their greatest enemies, and cleared them out. Anyway, there was poor old Polar Bear, lost in the dark all among them, and alone until he met Cave Bear, who lives there. Cave Bear can see pretty well in the dark, and he offered to take Polar Bear to his private back door. So they set off together, but the goblins were very excited and angry. Polar Bear had boxed one or two flap that came and poked him in the dark, and had said some very nasty things to them all. And they enticed him away by imitating Cave Bear's voice, which of course they know very well. So Polar Bear got into a frightful dark part, all full of different passages, and he lost Cave Bear, and Cave Bear lost him. Light is what we need, said Cave Bear to me. So I got some of my special sparkling torches, which I sometimes use in my deepest cellars. And we set off that night. The caves are wonderful. I knew they were there, but not how many or how big they were. Of course, the goblins went off into the deepest holes and corners, and we soon found Polar Bear. He was getting quite long and thin with hunger, as he had been in the caves about a fortnight. He said, I should soon have been able to squeeze through a goblin crack. Again, this predates The Hobbit. Wow. So it's quite interesting. Already he's sort of building the characterization for goblins that has influenced a lot of our Western concept of them. That's cool. Yeah. I really liked that. And this is uh, even more telling, I think. 1937. Here, Father Christmas is too shaky to write a letter, and so he has one of his elves do it. Okay. And the elf's name is Ilbereth. Ilbereth. I feel like I've heard that before. Well, you've probably heard Elbereth. Oh. Which is one of the names of Varda. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting, right? Yeah. A very, very, very Tolkienish name. Definitely. I'll read just a small part of this. Okay. I am afraid I have not had any time to draw you a picture this year. You see, I strained my hand moving heavy boxes in the cellars in November and could not start my letters until later than usual, and my hand still gets tired quickly. But Ilbereth, who is now my secretary, has done you what he calls a picture diary. I hope it will do. Ilbereth writes, Dear children, We had a glorious bonfire and fireworks to celebrate the coming of winter and the beginning of real preparations. The snow came down very thick in November, and the elves and snowboys had several tobogganing half-holidays. The polar cubs were not good at it. They fell off, and most of them took to rolling or sliding down just on themselves. Today, but this is the best bit, I had just finished my picture, or I might have drawn it differently. 
Polar Bear was being allowed to decorate a big tree in the garden all by himself and a ladder. Suddenly, we heard terribly growly squealy noises. We rushed out to find Polar Bear hanging in the tree himself. You are not a decoration, said Father Christmas. Anyway, I am a light, he shouted. He was. We threw a bucket of water over him, which spoiled a lot of the decorations, but saved his fur. I hope you can read my writing. I try to write like dear old Father Christmas without the trembles, but I cannot do it so well. I can write Elvish better. And then he writes some Elvish that looks very, very similar to the Tengwar script mm. that Tolkien would later perfect. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is some, but Father Christmas says I write even that too spidery and you would never, ever read it. It says, a very Merry Christmas to you all. Love, Ilbereth. That's very cool. So, like, is the Elvish actually, like, translatable into Cinderin or anything? That I can't tell. It okay. doesn't look quite like the Tengwar that we're familiar with from mm-hmm. the movies and the books. It looks similar, but I feel like it was still under development. We can actually probably post a link to it. Yeah. So yeah. you can see what it looks like. It's it, sort of like a proto-Tengwar. As someone who doesn't know what Elvish is supposed to look like, it looks like Elvish to me. Yeah, I mean, it has this sort of very long... Mm-hmm. Um, Everything looks like a J. ...hanging tail. That's one way of putting it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sort of runish, but with a lot of long tails. Yeah. So, that's very cool. That is very cool. Right? So, this is... So, are we to consider that the elf Ilbereth... Yes. ...is supposed to be like an actual Tolkien elf? I think that's what we can assume, yeah, that these are the descendants of Tolkien's elves, which oh. supposedly all went into the West, but I guess in his Father Christmas mythology, some must have stayed behind. So instead of being little guys, they're like tall, beautiful fellows. It's not really specified, and in this book, at least, there's no drawing of Ilbereth, but mm. I think that we can assume that. That's what I'm picturing. I'm picturing Legolas with, the, with like a jingle hat. Yeah, I am too. I yeah. am too, and Ilbereth is certainly a more... Stately, refined name than, I don't know, like Dippy and Snooter, or whatever <laughs> people normally name elves. Yeah. So, I think that's probably a good image. This is the last bit I'm going to read, and I mainly picked it because it references World War II, which I think is interesting. Hmm, okay. So, this is titled Last Letter. I am so glad you did not forget to write me again this year. The number of children who keep up with me seems to be getting smaller. I expect it is because of this horrible war, and that when it is over, things will improve again, and I shall be as busy as ever. But at present, so terribly many people have lost their homes, or have left them. Half the world seems in the wrong place, and even up here we have been having troubles. I don't mean only with my stores, of course they are getting low. They were already last year, and I have not been able to fill them up, so that I have now to send what I can instead of what is asked for. I suppose after this year you will not be hanging your stockings any more. I shall have to say goodbye, more or less. I mean, I shall not forget you. We always keep the names of our old friends in their letters, and later on we hope to come back when they are grown up and have houses of their own and children. Father Christmas. Aw. Is that like when his kids got too old for it? Exactly. Presumably when Christopher got too old because Christopher was the youngest son. Mm, right. So I think that he probably kept doing it until Christopher reached, I don't know, like, puberty or something and then decided that it was time to stop well that's very sweet it is very sweet isn't it I good think job pretty heartwarming yeah daddy tolkien good job good job jrr yeah one more bit that i want to tack on at the end here because we're on the subject of tolkien and his linguistic predilections there is an afterword in this book and it says the following very occasionally the polar bear sent a short letter himself on one occasion he revealed that his true name was karu 
And he excused his bad English spelling from the fact that the language spoken at the North Pole was Arctic. Mm. As an example of the language, he wrote the sentence, Mara mesta a nivela tienento yaratonea, and translated it as, Goodbye till I see you next, and I hope it will be soon. Now that sounds like Elvish to me. It does. It sounds like Elvish to me, too. Interesting. I'm just saying. Well, that's all I have. Thank you. That was those are very nice. Yes. I think it's some nice sort of, you know, holiday, you know, listening. I think people will enjoy hearing them. I hope so. I hope you did enjoy it. I did. Well, we're going from something very sweet to something very stupid. Yay! Star Wars. My Star Wars section. We're talking about Life Day, which is actually kind of a sequel to our first episode, which I talked about Wookiees. This is a Wookiee holiday. Yeah. And I think you have some familiarity with it already. (laughs) Because I've seen the Star Wars holiday special. Which is where it originates. As far as I can tell, Life Day involves everybody standing in the forest while Princess Leia, who is coked off her ass. Yeah, yeah. Sings like a really weird Life Day song. Yeah, we will get to that. Um, But yes, I mean, it is a a Wookiee holiday. Uh, They take place on, on Kashyyyk, their home planet. Um, the canon side is regrettably very short. It is a single paragraph because the, the Star Wars Holiday Special, despite having the principal cast of the Star Wars films, is not considered to be canon. George Lucas wants it destroyed. Uh, it is very much in the Legends category of things. But apparently it was canonized at some point because the paragraph starts like this. Life Day was a time-honored holiday observed by the Wookiees on their forested home planet of Kashyyyk in the galaxy's mid-rim. It celebrated the values and tenets of Wookiee culture, including family, joy, and harmony. Traditionally, Life Day celebrations were held around the Tree of Life on Kashyyyk and observed by extended families. However, the Wookiee diaspora of the galaxy still marked the day. When Wookiees were enslaved by the Galactic Empire, the holiday took on an even greater significance. And that's it. So this holiday sort of became like a cultural touchstone for them. For the Wookiees, yeah. While they were enslaved. Yeah. Sort of like um, in the United States, slave populations maintained traditional celebrations from the African continent. I'm pretty sure that's where they got the idea. I'm almost positive that's where they got the idea. Yeah. The source of that is the Star Wars Databank, which is like the official Star Wars website. Oh, maintained. that's not from Wikipedia? Well, the, the, the writing is from Wikipedia, but the source of that information is from the Star Wars databank. And everything on the Star Wars databank is 100% canon? Apparently. Really? Yeah. But that's actually maintained by, by Lucasfilm, and I guess now Disney. So, oh, wow. I yeah. didn't realize that there was, like, this rarefied repository. Well, of course there is. It's Star Wars, baby. There's canon, and there's legends. I suppose so. The Legends' page is obviously a lot longer. Oh, good. Well, longer than one paragraph isn't saying much, and it's not that long, actually. Uh, It adds to the description, it says that it was a celebration of the planet's diverse ecosystem as well. Uh, And it was a time to remember family members who died uh, and the young ones who brought new life to their families. So it's kind of like a combo between like a solstice holiday and like Dia de los Muertos. Yeah, but it's called Life Day, but you're celebrating people who have Dead. Well, their life force continues into the Tree of Life, which I will explain in just a moment here. Is that the one that they were all standing around when Princess Leia sang her drug song? Yes. Oh, yes. okay. Uh, it gives a bit of the history. It was celebrated as far back as 1,500,000 before Battle of Yavin. Okay, I'm going to call BS on that. 
Why? How are they still celebrating something after a million years? Because the tree of life is forever, baby. It's that circle. A million years ago, we were homo erectus. Wookiees were, were Wookiees, man. Anatomically modern humans didn't even exist. We surely don't have any traditions from that time. I just feel like you'd evolve beyond it in a million plus years. Hey, man, Wikipedia just writes it and I deliver the message. Don't kill the messenger. All right, I'm sorry. The rest of the history of Life Day comes from a bunch of MMO nonsense. Because the Star Wars massively multiplayer online games always have some kind of Christmas celebration and how convenient Life Day exists. And so, in the legend side of Wikipedia, this is considered to be factual things that happened throughout history of Life Day. So if you go back to the Old Republic, uh, that's 3,600 years before the Battle of Yavin, they had hollow trees, and a, an imperial edict came down. That was GR1NC4. Now, if I say it out loud, it doesn't, doesn't sound like much. No, it doesn't. But if you were to write it out... It explains, uh, the code for the edict, GR1NC4, is a reference to the Grinch, a character who also loads the holiday of Christmas, which Life Day is inspired from. So if you look at it, it's actually like the Grinch in Leet speak. Oh, God's sake. Yeah, but that was, that's considered part of the Legends. Well, canon. I'm glad. If that was canon, I would just quit this podcast now. We'll jump forward in the future. During the Clone Wars. Yes. Uh, and this comes from the Clone War Adventures mobile game for children. Clone Troopers had Nutcracker armor. Stop! Did they? Yeah. That's cute. I'm sorry, why are clone troopers, like, celebrating this Wookiee holiday? And why do they have a concept of a nutcracker? Like, I've never seen anybody in Star Wars eat a nut. But that is legends. Ergo, nuts do not exist These are legends, Joanna. These are just legends. These are just things whispered in the in the dark recesses of the Star Wars universe. The dark recesses the legends of the nutcracker are. Nutcrackers. <laughs> cool. We'll jump forward into the original trilogy during uh, one ABY. And this is uh, from Star Wars Galaxies, uh, which I played a bunch in high school. Citizens were enlisted by the Empire to destroy presents. <laughs> was that part of, you know, Executive Order Grinch? Yeah. Well, this is in the future. This is like, uh, like you know, 3,000 years after the fact. But apparently the Empire said, hey, people, if you see anyone having fun, destroy their stuff. Oh, yeah. Winning hearts and minds. That's the Empire way. They're the good guys. There's a fun quote here. Emperor Palpatine himself, the very leader of the Empire, harbored disgust for the holiday, about which he was quoted as saying, Bah, humbug. Oh, shut up. Uh, hey. I mean, I, it sounds like something Palpatine would, would, would say, but at the same time, shut up. But that, that's, that's happened. That's a year after the Battle of Yoth, and he said, bah, humbug. About and somebody wrote day. that down? Yes. Some, like, one of his, one of his little lackeys was like... I was talking to the to Emperor Palpatine today, and I started talking about Life Day, and he said, Bah Humbug. What the hell's a humbug? I have no idea. It's like he was referencing something, but I don't know what it could be. Weird. So that's the history of Life Day. You don't really get much. No, that's it? It's basically, it mentions that it was celebrated a million years ago, and you get a bunch of MMO nonsense. And that's Life Day's history. Well, that sounds like... You can tell it's not a very popular part of the Star Wars canon. It's not like something people come back to. It's well, not- no, because people associate it with the, the disastrous, frankly, disastrous Christmas special. Yeah. There are some extra traditions that are detailed here. Um, part of it is eating orga roots. Uh, the orga plant grows on Kashyyyk, and when they eat the roots, they actually are able to journey in spirit form to join the essence of the Tree of Life. Oh so they God. can actually commune with the spirits of the Tree of Sorry, Life. Sorry, so is this like peyote or something? Yeah. It reminds me of, um, I had an Uber driver one time who was telling me about this drug. Was he, was he a Wookiee? 
He might have been. He didn't look like one, but maybe he just shaved. Oh. But he he told me that he felt comfortable telling me this because I I seemed cool. So he said there was a drug that you can take in the forests of South America, and you'll go on this, like, spirit journey, and you'll meet Jesus at the Last Supper. Wow. That's kind of what it reminds me of. Sounds like orga roots to me. That's the only thing it could be. Because, I mean, the Wookiees, it's really special to them. They they claim it was part of the the starting point of their civilization. Orga roots? Yeah. Getting high? That goes back that far, yeah. And if the roots weren't around, if they were lacking, the Wookiee elders could actually cancel Life Day. What? Yeah, they're that important to the holiday. There goes Christmas. There goes Life Day. No more drugs for the Wooks. I'm sorry, did the kids also take these? Everybody, yeah. Oh, I really question Wookiee parenting style. It was just for one night, and they get to join the Tree of Life, and they get to commune with the spirit world. It sounds like a nice time, actually. Is that actually why Princess Leia was so obviously high? Had she taken Orga Root? She had Orga Root. She was seeing things. She was seeing, like, Padme and stuff. That's probably what it was, oh, right? Oh, wild, yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not that Carrie Fisher was terribly mentally ill and trying to self-medicate. It was Order Root. Man, that changes the whole thing, doesn't it? Basically, it's just a time of spending time with each other. Wookiees would invite their honor family, which is like anyone they owed a life debt to or felt like they were <gasps> their close friends. Like Han! Like Han. So in the holiday special, that's why Han is invited to Life Day, because he's part of Chewbacca's honor family. They would trim a special tree, they would launch fireworks, and they had special treats like Wookiee cookies. Oh, that's cute. And there's actually an official recipe for them that exists. I can post a link to it. Yeah, post a link. Why haven't we ever made those? They're basically just like chocolate chip cookies, but they sound nice. I like it. Yeah, and they also would have Hoth chocolate. Hoth chocolate, huh? Get it? Not really. It's like hot chocolate. Oh, hot chocolate! And Hoth is a cold planet. Hoth chocolate. I get it. Well, it beats squirming inside a tauntaun. Yeah. They would exchange presents as a symbol of love, and at night, when life day was over, they would gather around their table, hold hands, and have a silent prayer together. They would. They had a god? Well, pray to the spirits of the, the tree of life. Yeah. Like, is it like ancestor worship? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I get that. I get that. And it also has, a, has one sentence at the end here. Citizens also celebrated their life day by eating ice cream. That's cool! I mean, I definitely didn't see an ice cream maker inside Mala's house in the Christmas special, but... You do see an ice cream maker uh, with my favorite character. Yeah, you do see Wilro Hood on Cloud City. Do you remember him? That classic character, Wilro Hood? I do not. He's the man in an orange suit carrying an ice cream maker. I don't remember that at all. Wilro Hood sounds like a vice president that nobody remembers. Listen, I'll do a whole episode on Wilro Hood if I have to, but he is a major ice cream character in Star Wars. So my guess is that Wilro Hood, he was running through Cloud City to deliver that ice cream maker to Kashyyyk for Life Day. That was my guess. Okay, that's an important job. Oh, definitely. There's a really weird paragraph where it talks about some of the traditional songs of Life Day, but the song's names they have, they list Christmas Green, Here We Come a Wassailing, Jolly Old St. Nicholas, Joyful and Triumphant, and Swing Along Santa. Okay, but, like, most of those are just Christmas songs. Now, the reason that is is because these names come from the MP3 files extracted from Star Wars Galaxies. Oh. And so Wikipedia feels that these are actual Life Day songs. Like, they weren't actually intended to be. No. They were just file names that somebody slapped on there to differentiate them from one another. Exactly. And Wikipedia's like, oh, that's the canon yep, name. they definitely have Swing Along Santa in Star Wars. This makes sense Here to me. Here we come wassailing. Yeah. That's a Wookiee thing. You know Figrin Dan and the Modal Nodes? Do you know them? Figrin Dan. No. <laughs> are they Jizz Whalers? They are. They're the Jizz Whalers from, can- the, from the Cantina. Oh, they are? The, yeah, the Biths. Little butthead dudes. Oh, man. 
man. Yeah, they performed at the Life Day event one year at the Tree of Life. Oh, man, that is a good get That's for them. a big get, yeah. Oh, that's hot. But more importantly, Life Day had this emblematic song, known in basic as A Day to Celebrate, which put emphasis on peace, harmony, and freedom. And this is the song that Princess Leia Organa sings at the Tree of Life in the Star Wars Holiday Special. Oh, so that's an established song. I thought maybe she was just freestyling. No, it's emblematic of the Life Day celebration. Uh, let's play a little bit here. All it's- right, let's do it. A day that takes us through the darkness A day that leads us into light A day that makes us want to celebrate So, Carrie Fisher singing along to the Star Wars theme, but with Life Day lyrics. Poor Carrie. I I don't even think she knew where she was. Yeah. um, That's basically all the canon information about Life Day. The rest of the article is about the behind the scenes. And I go into it more, but there's already been, like, way funnier podcasts that have done it. Like, I know How Did This Get Made did an episode. Uh, The Red Letter Media guys did a video about it. It's really hilarious. If you Well, okay, the thing itself is not hilarious. Right. Don't watch the Life Day movie unless you're willing to fast forward through, like, 90% of it. Just watch the best bits on YouTube. There's, like, there's, like compilations of the best bits uh like the ca- like probably like the cartoon uh the cartoon i actually like i like the cartoon via arthur's song which in the cantina is pretty cool yeah uh there's a few little you know nice bits like there's a heartstring pull when when the stormtroopers break lumpy's toys that part was legitimately sad but there's lots of like really extended like wtf things like the first 15 minutes having no English dialogue, just Wookiee noises. It's just lumpy, like, walking around. And there's Itchy, which is Chewbacca's dad, watching porn in a visor. There's a really unfunny alien cooking show. That they keep going back to. Oh, it's so like, execrable. It's terrible. There's a holographic Jefferson Starship performance. It's very much a 70s variety show. There is a really good oral history article I found. It talks to some of the people who worked on it behind the scenes, like the directors and the writers and the camera guys and stuff. Oh, that's where I learned that George Lucas initially intended Han to be married to a Wookiee. Yeah, they didn't say it because they thought it'd be too controversial. I don't think it's controversial. I just think it's kind of dumb. There's some really good details in the article. I'll link it. Talks, you know, talks about how Carrie Fisher only did it because she wanted to sing. Yeah. That sounds um, that sounds like Carrie Fisher in the 70s. Yeah. B. Arthur didn't know it was a Star Wars thing when she made it. Uh, she's quoted as saying, I just remember singing to a bunch of people with funny heads, um, which I think is a great quote. Because what is Star Wars but a bunch of funny heads? I love you, B. Arthur. Um, Mark Hamill was going to sing, but then they cut it out when Mark Hamill suggested that Luke probably shouldn't. Really? Yeah. He doesn't think Luke's a singer? One thing I do like, though, is that obviously Mark Hamill had to do some voice acting for the animated portion. Yeah. And he had never done voice acting before. And now, of course, he's like quite a well-known he's voice very, actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he played the Joker mm-hmm. for a long time. And... And uh, he's made his career on voice acting, basically. Um, but this is where he got interested in it for the yeah, first time. Yeah, and the cartoon's probably the best bit. It talked a lot about that in the uh, oral history. How Lucas wanted it to look like the comic artist Mobius. Oh, I he, don't know that. He's a French comic artist. He did a lot of really cool kind of uh, avant-garde stuff in the 70s. He ended up doing a concept art for, like, Alien and the Fifth Element. Oh, uh, cool. He was major guy in Heavy Metal Magazine. Okay. And the cartoon really does look like his comics. It's got quite a distinctive style. Yeah, and those those animators actually went on to work on the Droids and Ewoks cartoon, which I oh, thought was interesting. Oh, I didn't know that. But yeah, read the article. It's very good. It talks about 
all the crazy stuff behind the scenes, what a disaster it was. There is one more bit at the end where the people on Wikipedia have gotten into it a little bit. There's a bit of bit of argument on the on Life Day. Ooh, so, nerds throwing down. Because you talked about the canonical observation of Yule for the Hobbits, there's arguments about the date of Life Day. The canonical date for the observance of Life Day has been established what sources there are as December 25th, or the equivalent thereof in the Wookiee calendar. Whether this means that Life Day is actually intended to be understood as a solstice festival akin to Christmas, as opposed to a harvest festival akin to Thanksgiving, is unknown. Neither concept seems to hold much relevance in Kashyyyk, which appears to have temperate weather throughout the year and where agriculture seems to be little practiced. And they say, well, Wookiees aren't farming. There's no winter. They're not. I didn't see that. I didn't see that in the, in the, in the special. There won't be snow on Kashyyyk this Christmas time. Oh, also, it was aired the day after the Jonestown Massacre. <laughs> Even more interesting. So that was a good, like, palate cleanser. Which was more of a disaster. No, I'm just kidding. Yuck, yuck, yuck. (laughs) Uh, To cleanse our palate from the Life Day holiday special, um, there's also a Star Wars Christmas album. Did you know that? I might have. It's called Christmas in the Stars. It came out in 1980. It's 33 minutes long. It takes place at a droid factory where the robots are making toys around for an S-clause. Oh, my God. Go, ho, ho, that's me. Shut up. I am slave robots. No, don't lock you away forever, old man. I wish you would just stop with this magical nonsense. That guy like tries too hard. Yeah, it was created by Mecco, which is the same person who produced our opening and closing themes. He did a lot of disco themes of movies in the seventies and eighties, and it reached number sixty-nine on the Billboard Top One Hundred. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. An interesting wrinkle is that it is the recording debut of one John Bon Jovi. What? In 1980, yeah. As a young man, one of his his first time on record, he's credited as John Bon Jovi, like Italian spelling. So he did the song R2-D2, We Wish You a Merry Christmas. That's what I've actually heard. Let's play a little bit. It's kind of cute. And if I wish comes true. I don't know why they have any concept of Christmas, but you know what? I'm just going to let it slide. Yeah, definitely. Because that song is a bop. That's all I got for you on wow. the Star Wars side of Wikipedia. It's kind of uh, kind of barren Christmas-wise. but Well, look, you and I are not super big Christmas fans. I'm a super big Life Day fan, though. Yeah, why don't we celebrate Yule and Life Day instead? We should do that, and so should our listeners. Yeah, we'll put up the recipe for the cookies. And the links uh, to some of Tolkien's illustrations. And then you can just have yourself a very Lord of the Rings and Star Wars holiday. Yeah. So if you haven't yet, please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. Uh, all the ratings we can get help. Yep, because it makes it easier for people to find us. We have a Facebook page, a Twitter page, a SoundCloud profile, and you can find all of those if you search for our name on the Googles. That's another thing you should do this Christmas instead of actually celebrating Christmas. Listen to us. Listen to us and look us up. If you need to get a hold of us, have any cool tips or corrections, what's latesabersprecious at gmail.com is our email address. We look forward to hearing from you. As long as it's praise and not a correction, we don't want to hear that. No, I'm just kidding. So, you know, all you mad claws out there, have a happy life day. Happy life day and happy Yule to all you little halflings. Yep. Catch up with you next week for a decidedly non-holiday celebration. Thank goodness.
So if you don't mind, I'd like to close out on another song from Christmas in the Stars. This one being classic. What can you get a Wookiee for Christmas when he already owns a comb? Oh, classic. Yeah. Staple of the holiday season. Here it goes. What can you get a Wookiee for Christmas? 